0: yoga teachers, mindfulness leaders, and energy workers. Are you ready to stop side hustling and start making an income doing what you love? Welcome to the Marketing Off The Mat Podcast. Each week, your host, Jessica Cross, dives into conversations with successful creatives in wellness, business, marketing, and more to uncover practical methods to take your business from A to B and have some fun along the way. Grab some tea and pull up a seat. Let's dive into this episode.
1: Welcome back to the show. It's Jessica and this is Marketing Off the Mat. I'm so glad that you hit play on this episode because I am joined by one of my favorite yoga business podcasters today. Her name is Amanda Kingsmith and you might know her from her show MBOM or Mastering the Business of Yoga she is an incredible light and shares deeply from her wisdom and experience in building her yoga businesses over the years, and I'm just, I kind of nerd out. You get to hear me nerd out a little bit because when I first graduated several years ago, her podcast was one that really inspired me and I think is a big inspiration for me going out on my own and starting my own podcast, so enough about me. Thanks, Amanda. Amanda is a 500 RYT and a yoga business coach. She's a podcast host and a world traveler. She blends her background in business with her love of yoga and is passionate about helping yoga teachers create careers that they are passionate about and that are sustainable. Amanda is also the co-host of the World Wonders podcast on travel and travel as a lifestyle. When she's not practicing or teaching yoga, you can find Amanda traveling the world with her husband and daughter hiking mountains, or curling up with a cup of tea and a good book. Well, definitely grab your cup of tea because this is such a great episode and we're diving all in to how to create systems in our business to avoid and at least reduce overwhelm. So let's take a listen. Hey, Amanda, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Excited to be here.
1: I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you again for taking the time. I'm just so excited to dive in with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time since I've been a guest on another show. So I'm, I'm excited to be here.
1: Well, I'm honored that you are. And, um, you know, for the folks that are listening, I was just telling Amanda that I listened to her show for a long time. And when I first started teaching, it's like, there has to be a yoga and a business podcast out there. And I'm just so grateful that, and honestly honored that you're, you're going to be with me today. That's so freaking cool. So I'm just, just excited for this conversation.
2: Yeah, me too. (laughs)
1: So, okay. We, we heard a little bit about you in the intro, but I would Mm -hmm. love it if you could tell us some more about you. And of course, everyone's got a yoga journey story. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about yours and then how that brought you to today.
2: Yeah, for sure. So my yoga, my yoga story kind of dates back to when I was in high school, I was a competitive dancer and one of the girls I danced with her dad was a yoga teacher And so this is like, I don't know, maybe 2005, 2006, 2007, somewhere in that, in that range. And it was like, oh, you know, her dad's going to come in and teach us this yoga class on, on a Saturday morning. And I'm like yoga. Like, I don't think I do yoga, you know, I'm flexible. I'm not really into this. And also like, what is a yoga teacher? Is this even a profession? Which is so funny to kind of think about where my journey led, led me, but I did yoga and then didn't really think about it again until I was in, in college. And I was just not really exercising. I wasn't dancing anymore. And my mom was like, well, why don't we start doing a yoga class together? That way we can have like a weekly touch point. She's like, I'll pay for you. (laughs) You just need to show up. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do that. And I was very much like the person in the class who was like clenching my muscles, even though the teacher was like relaxed into the pose and, you know, always trying to make things like harder and stuff for myself, which is so funny to think about how I am now, which is the total opposite of that. And I did that for a while. And then I got into hot yoga and I was practicing hot yoga pretty regularly through, I guess it would have been my early twenties. And then in when I graduated from college I started working full-time and I had a good friend at that point who had one of her good friends was a yoga teacher and they gifted her a, a pass to her studio and she's like, hey, I'm really uncomfortable going you've done yoga will you come with me?" And I was like, yep cool you. And we went to, I think a restorative class and I was like, Oh, this is so boring. We're just like lying there. I'm not even getting a workout in, you know, what am I doing here? Et cetera, et cetera. But something kept me coming back, even though that was kind of like my surface level thinking of like, I was just doing yoga to sweat and to become stronger. Something just kept, you know, kept me coming back to the mat. And over that time period, while I was working, it was about two years I was working in corporate. I just started practicing really regularly. It started, you know, once or twice a week to pretty much five days a week, I was going to yoga on lunch breaks or after work. And I ended up quitting that job and going to South America for six months backpacking. And I made a goal for myself to practice in every country that I traveled to. So I was able to see yoga, you know, across all these different cultures, did it in Spanish, Portuguese. I spoke very, very, very little Spanish at that point. And when I came back from that trip, I took kind of what I call my career U-turn. So I decided I wasn't going back to corporate. I wasn't going to live in the big city anymore. My now husband and I moved to a small mountain town in Western Canada, where we're both from. And. I got a job working in retail. And while I was there, I decided to set a goal for myself to do my yoga teacher training. And, um, my manager was like, why don't you, why is this like a five-year goal for you? Why don't you just do it like this year? And I was like, oh, I'm not ready. You know, I can't even do a hand, a headstand. you know, I can't do any of these advanced poses, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, that doesn't matter. Like, I'll give you a month off. It's, you know, unpaid because I was working hourly, but she'd hold my job for me. And I was like, okay, I have some savings. I think I could do that. And so I traveled to Bali by myself to do my 200 hour, which was in 20, the spring of 2015. And I came back and I started teaching and I, I liked teaching. I was teaching part-time. I started working part-time in a yoga studio. And then my husband got a job in Atlanta, Georgia, which is very far away from where I'm from. I knew nobody other than him in a city of like 6 million plus people. I had no idea what I was doing. And I realized once I got down there that I didn't really know how to get jobs as a yoga teacher. And that's very much where MBOM was born in, in my own need. And I, I started figuring out the process of actually getting a job and going through the hiring process as a yoga teacher. And then I started doing the math on, hey, how many classes do I have to teach per week to actually like pay my rent and my food bills if I don't want to work another job and thinking like this is just not sustainable. There has to be another way. People are doing this. There has to be another way. Can I be a little bit of a detective and figure that out? And so I started the podcast and my business really out of a need for myself. And so I started learning from people ahead of me and then teaching people who were, you know, behind me. And that's really how it's evolved over the last gosh, in 2023, it's going to be seven years. <laughs> Which is crazy.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. I just yeah. your whole story is so exciting too. I just, I love how. You didn't wait for somebody to tell you how to do this to just, you know, oh, you know, somebody will tell me what, what is expected or how I'm going to make this thing happen. And you're like, I'm going to start the podcast, as you said, investigate and almost like from a scientific lens, so like I'm going to figure this thing out and I'm going to yeah. take people with me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I felt like, so I had my husband and I have a travel podcast as well that we do together. And we'd been doing that for two years at that point. So it was kind of like before podcasting was very mainstream. A lot of people were like pod what? And so (laughs) one thing I knew about podcasting is that when you ask people to come on your show, you can get, you know, an hour of their time and pick their brain. Whereas if I was to just reach out to these people that I knew who were really advanced in their careers and be like, Hey, can I like, you know, take you for coffee and and pick your brain for an hour. Some of them probably would have said yes, because we had a rapport and relationship, but many would have said yes and never would have got scheduled. Or many would have just said like, I'm sorry, I don't have time. You know, I have all these obligations, but you know, 99% of the time people are happy to, to share their knowledge on a podcast. And so that was very much something that was on my mind as I was like, how do I go about learning this? And I was like, I've learned so much. I've connected with so many people through this travel podcast. I could totally use that model to do this in the yoga industry. And then I can also share it with people. So it's not just me sitting down and talking to, you know, a yoga teacher friend and getting all of their information. It's like, I'm sitting down, I'm learning, but I can also share it with, you know, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of other people, which is such a cool, like it's such a blessing, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, man, I'm resonating so much with your story. I was like, oh yes, that's so good. That's so good. I I think what you said too is so interesting that you kind of got into the podcasting game kind of early. I mean, you know, podcasting has been around for a really long time, but even now I think it's a little bit better, but sometimes people are like, how do I get podcasts on my phone? Like you're like showing them where the Apple podcast app is (laughs) and how it all works. And I just love that you, you kind of, trailblazed for many of us too. And as you're saying that, you know, taking these people out to coffee would have been great, you know, if it aligned, if it actually happened, but not only Mm -hmm. did you create an environment for, you know, your your own learning, for your own ability to ask those questions and, you know, kind of pick these brains, so to speak. But you created an avenue for those teachers to, A, promote themselves, and then, B, for that content to live on and, you know, share forward and backwards, which I think is really Mm -hmm. interesting, too, as yoga teachers. um, And we come from a lineage that is, you know, very much, you know, handed down through storytelling and, uh, you know, how it's such a cool way that it lives on in the modern age. I think it's really neat.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that you made that connection through like the lineage of yoga. I've never really thought about it like that. So I really, really love that.
1: I think it was just because we're having this conversation because I'd never thought about it (laughs) that way before. So (laughs)
2: cool. (laughs) So cool.
1: So, all right. You, you have the podcast, you're making, you know, making moves, meeting people, you know, connecting dots and putting your business together. And, you know, you've, you've been able to make this a thing. You've been able to, you know, support yourself and, you know, pay the rent, the food bills and, you know, make things come together. And I know that you're really, really passionate about teaching other teachers how to do the same through Mm -hmm. the podcast, through, you know, all the offerings that you have out there. So, you know, one of the things I hear about when, you know, teacher, and you probably hear about this too, when teachers graduate their 200 hour, or, you know, even after they've been teaching for a while, they get really, really overwhelmed when it Mm -hmm. comes to actually like putting the nuts and bolts of their systems together that kind of build their business. Hear that a lot. I'm sure you do too. So where do you think the overwhelm is coming from when we're putting our businesses together or when we're trying to create systems um, that can run for us while
2: we're out teaching? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I hear this a ton. And I think that, I mean, it's going to be different for everyone. So I'll, I'll start with that and saying that I feel like this is not just like a generalization, but what I hear a lot is that A lot of yoga teachers in teacher training, they are given the tools in their toolbox to teach, which obviously we need those tools to be yoga teachers. And that's a beautiful, important thing, but they're not given the tools to actually run a business. So for some people, maybe they've done it before. Maybe they've gone to business school or done business classes, or maybe they've run a business in, you know, a past life type thing, um, past career. And so for them, it's not as challenging, but for many of us, it's like, you know, we go from working maybe a full-time job, maybe a corporate job. To becoming a yoga teacher. And what we don't realize is that when we start teaching yoga, we are actually stepping into the role of, you know, independent contractor, self-employed business owner, and we're often not taught, you know, the business acumen. We're not given many tools in our toolbox for running a business. And so it's really amazing that once you get in the room, you have all the tools you need to teach a class, but how do you actually get those opportunities? You know, how do you approach studio owners? What do you, what type of things do you need to actually get jobs you know, what do you do to make that sustainable income? Like I said, because if you're somebody who's diving all in and you want to do this full time, but you're like, Hey, energetically, I can't teach 25, 30 studio classes a week. Then what do you do to supplement that income? And a lot of, a lot of us yoga teachers just aren't taught that. And so I think that it becomes very overwhelming. You know, there's overwhelm from not understanding software to even set up like calendars or booking systems all the way to like, taxes, how on earth do I do taxes as somebody who's self-employed and, oh, now my income's lower and I can't afford to just hire somebody to do all this for me. So I need to figure it out myself. And there's just, you know, there, especially when I started, there wasn't a lot of resources for this. There wasn't a lot of places you could go to find this information for yoga teachers. And so I think it just comes from like a lack of knowledge.
1: Mm. Yeah. And there is, um, there is just so much, to figure out as, as you were saying, you know, mm-hmm. we've been given the building blocks to teach a class, but you know, it's kind of, I, I don't know about you, but in my 200 hour, I think I maybe had one hour of business and you know, that we definitely didn't talk about taxes. <laughs> <So>. No,
2: that <laughs> it was the just, same as me. We, I yeah. think we talked about like Oh, you should register with yoga Alliance. Once you get back to your home country, because most of us had traveled um, to Bali to do, to do the training and you should get insurance, but there wasn't even because people were so international. I was like insurance. Like, where do I get insurance from?
1: So we have, you know, all this overwhelm just from the sheer amount of stuff that we've got to figure out because, you know, the toolbox that we've been given for the actual business side of things is kind of small. It's like more like a little tool belt Mm -hmm. (laughs) with with a lot of open slots that we need to fill. So, you know, how do we how do we combat this overwhelm when there's just so much for us to figure out as teachers? You know, we're, as you said, doing it potentially with fewer resources if we're trying to get full time in, you know, really teaching for ourselves and making this a a full-time business, how do we combat the overwhelm that is, you know, very present for many of us as we're building our businesses?
2: Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. And so I have, I guess, a couple things that we can kind of go through with this. So One of these things that I think is really important when we start off is just looking at our energy. So our energy management and part of this is going to be very individual. So all of us has, you know, different energy in terms of how many classes we can teach per day, how many classes we can teach per month. And so I think that sitting down with everything that you're doing and just getting clear on like energy in energy out. How is everything feeling for you? And also with that, you can do like money in money out as well. Like, okay. Am I teaching a class that I'm really passionate about? It doesn't pay that well, but I feel really good after I teach it. Okay, cool. That's check something that you can keep. Am I teaching something that doesn't pay me very well and is also very very energetically draining for me. Maybe that's something you let go and you make space for something else. So I think we have to get clear on, you know, our energy, first of all, in terms of what we're doing, what we have capacity for. And then we need to sit down with our schedules and just get organized. And I think for a lot of us, this can be as simple as like, are you using a calendar system? Like, do you have a system within your business for organizing, you know, when you're teaching, when you're teaching privates, when you need to take care of your kids, if you have them, when you have obligations with a partner, when you have other work obligations, you know, sitting down and getting really organized with that. And, you know, I'm a fan of Google calendars, especially if you use Gmail, this is like something that's included, Um, but just really get clear on what you've got going on and, and get things organized in terms of like when you have meetings, when you have classes, you need to teach, how much time do you need on either side for like carpooling? Do you have some time in there where you get to sit down and eat? Because I think sometimes for a lot of us, like we can go the whole day and we just forget to eat because we don't schedule that time in. And then we feel really drained and we're like, why is my energy super low? Oh, right. Because I didn't eat all day. I was giving, 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 and I wasn't doing anything to recharge. So I think that those are kind of like the first two, two things to look at.
1: Mm. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Just, just kind of the nuts and bolts, the foundation, I think, as you said, just, you know, simple free tools that are out there and very accessible to many of us, like as simple as Google calendar. And, um, yeah, I would even add, like, if you're not eating, maybe you schedule your lunch too. like, make sure mm-hmm. it's like, it's on there as well. So it's just kind of a part of your day and it doesn't get, you know, booked over, booked over with the millions of demands that can, can take a lot of our time. It's really, really good.
2: Yeah, I think we have to have things in our schedule that are like non-negotiable things for us and and one of the things that I like to teach when it comes to this is is setting boundaries. Like we need to have boundaries in terms of like, you know, do you have at least one day that's completely blocked off where you like you never say yes to teaching classes. You don't book clients in, you don't like, you just don't say yes to things because it's your day. And this was something I had to learn because when I first started, I was like, hustle, hustle, hustle. I need to make money. I need to, you know, have connections. And I just was like, never taking any time for myself. And I kind of realized like, Hey, I didn't leave my like, you know, stressful, overwhelming corporate job to have more stress and more overwhelm for like, honestly, less pay, (laughs) you know, like I, I, it was kind of losing like the why and the passion behind it. And so for me, it was really important. Like, okay, I need at least one day off and one day shifted to, okay, my weekends are sacred. I need to have my weekends with my family. And for me also in general, like nights, nights are, are generally kind of a no-go for me, especially now that I have a baby. So you know, just setting those boundaries for yourself, I think is really important, especially if you're going to use this and you're going to sit down and look at, okay, what am I doing? What's the energy? Sit down, look at your calendar, laying things out very visually can be helpful. And then looking and being like, okay, what are my boundaries? You know, maybe you don't like teaching before eight in the morning or 10 in the morning, and you don't like teaching, you know, after five or six or 7 PM at night and, you know, weekends don't work for you because, that's the time you spend with your partner. Cause that's the only time you have together. So you get to choose that right for yourself. Like maybe these things, maybe getting up early is worth it. Maybe working on weekends is something that serves you. There's no right or wrong with it, but the idea is that you need to sit down and decide this for yourself because that's another t- you know, opportunity to just take control of our schedule and, and get clear with this. And that'll really help with, with the disorganization and the overwhelm that happens.
1: Mm, yeah. I think too, you know, to your point is, you know, having, just creating the space and the time to sit down and literally visually look at all the things that you have on a, you know, average week or average month and see where those boundaries lie. As you know, if you know, in this season of your life, maybe it's okay to work on the weekends, but you know, by, you know, 7 p.m. Monday through Friday, you're done. So just blocking those things off and then you can actually see how much time are you actually working with?
0: How much mm-hmm. time can
1: you actually schedule in, you know, time for, for income time to actually like make money and, and teach and then time for yourself as well. That's, that's really helpful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Self-care time is huge. And I've worked with, um, a really good friend of mine, mine, her name is Renee Claire. She's also a yoga teacher. She works with, you know, wellness entrepreneur. She's the a productive wellness preneur on, on Instagram. If anyone wants to check her out, but I've learned so much from her and I love, I love her because she approaches productivity starting with self-care. So I've worked with her one-on-one a number of times, anytime my schedule gets like in disarray, I just book a one-on-one with her or I'm going through a big life shift and I have to kind of redo all these processes for myself. And I just love the the start of self-care. So it's like, you know, if I'm cramming my schedule from 8am to 8pm, her question is always, where's your self-care in here? You know, how are you taking care of yourself in the morning? How are you making time for you to eat? You know, where is your dinner break? Where is your time with your partner? When are you shutting down for the night? And I love that approach to productivity because I think that in today's kind of hustle culture. We just get this like hustle, 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 hustle. Like if you want to be successful, you need to hustle. And I really think, I think this goes for all industries, but especially like we work in the industry of wellness and helping others take care of themselves. And in order to do that, we need to take care of ourselves. And so we need to set those boundaries. We need to make sure we've got that time for, you know, The time for, um, you know, morning routines, self-practice food, like we've talked about our own exercise, you know, time with our partners, time with our kids, time with our friends, you know, that stuff is valuable and that helps us show up as a better yoga teacher.
1: Mm, yeah. The, and the last point you made is so true. It's like, we can't, can't fully show up for those classes if we're, you know, drained, hungry, tired, all of those things constantly. Of course, there'll be the, there's, there's, the days, of course, when you show up and you're like, oh, didn't sleep great last night, but here I am. Those are always mm-hmm. the, going to be there. But for for the long haul, if we, if we want to keep teaching, if we want to keep showing up to teach these classes, you know, from day in to day out and for years, if that's our plan, then we have to dial in the self-care. So good,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think burnout is really prevalent in our industry, where people are just giving, 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 and they're giving from a place of of care and love because they truly love the practice and they love sharing it with others and seeing how it benefits from people, and that's beautiful. But if all the yoga teachers burn out, we don't have any teachers to teach yoga anymore, right? So we just have to find that balance of like you're taking care of yourself, yet you're still serving your your clients, your customers, your students, and I think that we really can do that, but it, it does come from you know, making sure that we do have some organization and some boundaries and some self care time.
1: Mm, so good, so good. So we've kind of talked about our calendars, and which I think is a very good foundational piece because you know if we can't figure out where we are day to day and where we're spending our time. I'm, you know, that's always the first, the first one to tackle for sure. So you know, we we're talking about establishing workflows in our business that you know I think about you know, the massive array of tools that we have out there that are available to us from, uh, you know, email list building to obviously social media content, all the lovely things that we have at our fingertips can also feel really overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. if you're, if if there's a teacher who's listening and they're like, okay, I I can sit down and figure out my calendar. That's step one. What do you think step two and maybe step three would be when it comes to establishing workflows in your business?
2: Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. So yeah, step one would be calendars. I think step two for me is like to-do lists. So I actually don't put like my to-dos in terms of like daily items that I need to do on my calendar. So the things that go on my calendar would be things like you know, like this, for example, this is on my calendar, but you know, I had an obligation this morning that required my time and attention. I think that went from like nine 30 to 11 30. And then I had from 11 30 to one where I didn't have anything on my calendar. I know it's my work time. Cause I've got my nanny right now. She's watching my baby. Um, but then I had this call with you. So, you know, these breaks in our calendar are the times where like a to-do list can be really helpful. So, um, you can use just like a paper to-do list. That's totally fine. I really like the digital one called to Um, I have it on my phone and my computer, so it syncs between them. So I can quickly add things and you can add like the dates, you can add them to different, you know, different like buckets, I guess you could say, or different projects. Um, but I find that's like super helpful. So I'm like, okay, I've got, you know, an hour and a half, part of that time I'm going to use to eat something. So I've got about an hour to work. What are like the pressing things that I need to do today? And I find that having a to-do list to go off of helps me be the most productive. So I'm not just like sitting there looking in my inbox, being like, what was I supposed to do again today? I don't know. I think there was some stuff, (laughs) you know, and I, I really think about, I actually used to be like many years ago while I was still in college, I used to be like the type of person where I would just keep everything in my brain. I kept like midterms, project dates, final exams, um, social events all in my head. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I always remember them. And as I got into working full-time, I was like, yeah, sure. I have a great memory. I could do that. But like, why am I using valuable space in my brain for this? There's all these tools that we can use. And so I'm a really big fan of like offloading stuff so I live and breathe by like calendars and to-do lists and that's the way that I function really well and it means that I don't miss things I don't forget things um Etc but but yeah so I think the next step would be you know you've got your calendar set up you understand you know hey I'm teaching from nine to ten it's gonna take me you know at least 30 minutes to be back home 10 30. I'm gonna need probably 30 minutes to maybe take a shower have a snack okay, by 11 AM, I can dive into some, some work time working on my business. And, you know, I've got an hour and a half that I can do that before I want to self-practice or go to the gym or have my next class, whatever it is. And so being able to actually get clear on what you need to do in that time is super helpful for managing that workflow.
1: Mm, Yes. Yeah. So many great tips there. And just being realistic too, with the amount of time, I love how you said, you know, Factor in travel time, factor in Mm -hmm. the fact that you might want to freshen up or have a snack or, you know, move from that one portion of your day into that work time. You don't want to try to cram everything into an hour. Just be spacious with yourself. You need a transition. We need to make space for those in-betweens. And then we kind of jump into as you said, the to-do list, I'm also a big fan of the to-do list and and offloading. And uh, you know, I feel like being consistent in those things too. It's like, this is the process. I don't try to carry this thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not better than the to-do list today. Just take it, put it on the to-do list. And then when it's time to work, it'll be there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then you get the gratification of like, ticking it off. And I think one of the reasons I like to do this, like this app I was talking about is that you get to like press, it's got a little open round dot and you press it and it turns dark and then it swipes it away. And I feel like there's something very gratifying about that for me.
1: Yeah. The, the checking of the box is so satisfying. You're like, I did it. I earned mm. the check today.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm
1: going to have to check that out. That sounds like a really good app for sure. Mm. So yeah,
2: good. it's been, I've tried a lot of them and, you know, there's some really, really great softwares out there, but it's been, you know, one of my favorites over the years.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to check it out for sure. Okay. So I love this. So we've, we've got our calendar, we have our to-do list. And then, you know, what would you say potentially would be that third step if, you know, someone's wanting their their perfectly one, two, three numbers yeah. of things to do today to kind of establish themselves? Anybody else like that out there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely like that too. I'm like, oh, it's, we could just have two steps, but three sounds better, right? Um, yeah. So we talked about boundaries already, which is another step of mine. Like as you're setting this up, just make sure you do have those boundaries in your calendar and with your to-do list. And then another thing that I really, really love is making time to work on kind of the bigger picture stuff. So projects, um, making time to work on, you know, work on your business. So one of the things that can kind of happen as a business owner is we can kind of get on the hamster wheel of like day-to-day life. And sometimes this is just how it is. We only have so much time in the day. We really don't want to be taking from our, you know, time when we're like, okay, this is my self-care time. This is my me time. We're offline. Sometimes it happens, we're human, but in general, we want to try to be fitting our work time within the work hours, but we're looking ahead to 2023. And so it's like, you know, making some time to actually reflect on the year or set your goals for 2023. Like, what are your revenue goals? What are your teaching goals? How many classes do you want to be teaching? Do you want to run some workshops? Do you have like dreams of a retreat? Could you execute on that? You know, all that stuff needs time and space to kind of marinate and come to life. And we need to actually have time to work on that stuff. And so it's really important for us as we're kind of building out our workflows to give ourselves this time. And sometimes we can get tension in our schedule or feel tension within ourselves with what we're doing because we're not giving ourselves this time. We kind of feel like we're just going through the motions day in and day out. And even if we're living, you know, our dream life, we've got our dream schedule, you know, we've quit that job that we didn't want to do to be able to teach yoga. Cause that's what we want to, you know, that's our dream. That's our passion. And we're making sustainable income. You know, we still will feel that kind of tension if we don't have the opportunity to look ahead or to plan on how to, you know, serve your clients better or, um, how to, you know, set up that next workshop and market it and all that type of stuff. So I think that that's a really important piece for being self-employed and being a business owner. And I think that this one's hard because the to-do list can be long, right? I know. I know because like my to-do list can be long and those projects can get pushed off, but I really like to think about kind of like my self-care, my project or my bigger picture time working on my business is you know non-negotiable time too, where I need to just close my communications apps, I close my email down, I close Slack down, you know, I get off that stuff and I just sit and I work on that stuff for, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever I've allocated for myself.
1: Mm, I love that. And you know, yeah, as you said, you as at the time of recording coming towards the end of the year, perfect time to start, you know, looking forward and kind of, you know, dreaming and forecasting and however you want to describe it. And I think you too too, like something that kind of works for me is even kind of going back to my corporate days, but like looking at quarters. So it's like, I know Mm -hmm. the first three months of the year is probably going to look like this. And this is what summer, fall, et cetera, kind of will look like. And, you know, let's see, maybe I am dreaming of a retreat. Then I can kind of see, okay, well, I know the end of the year is really loaded with lots of fun stuff. So maybe the retreat should be earlier. Just kind of seeing Mm -hmm. uh, almost like little blocks to move around, like where, where, where you can dream up and, and, and be creative with your business and, and expand. It's super fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I love that as well. And it's so interesting just like with the corporate stuff. Cause I feel like I went through this phase where I was very like kind of anti-corporate and everything that I like done in that. And then, like I said before, I went through this phase of like, well, I'm working all the time because I hadn't set a schedule for myself, which is really where this workflow came from was my own experience of like, okay, what do I need to do to, to change this? And then it came to like, okay, there's kind of a reason that businesses do like Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 planning. It's because that stuff is so helpful for our businesses. And so I feel like I veered back towards some of the things from corporate, taking some of those like tools and some of those those learnings from there and applying it in a bit more of like a heart-centered kind of like loving, gentle, feminine, feminine form approach. But, you know, there are some good things that we can take from those days. And I I do think I do laugh sometimes because I was like, you know, kind of hating on like the Monday to Friday, nine to five. And now I'm definitely... (laughs) (laughs) a <laughs> Monday to Friday, nine to five by choice.
1: <laughs> by choice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It does, it does have its, um, does have its beauty. It does have a, a ton of learnings too, but I like how you said that you can apply in a heart centered way. That, mm. That's a way that's just, um, you know, it's by choice. It's something that you're actually taking in advisement in addition to all the other lovely things that our, you know, our wellness community, our yoga community provides. It's just kind of a little layer of structure, which I think is, is helpful for many of us.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When I teach the business of yoga to new yoga teachers, which is one of the things I do now, one of the things I like to start with is like Hey, you know, I'm going to offer you tools for your toolbox. And what you get to do is you get to take what you want and leave what you don't. So everything's an offering. And one of the things that I like about, you know, I get to take from like my business background, my corporate background, which feels more masculine. And I encourage people to pass it through their own heart space. Like, how does this feel to you? Like, does being on social media feel good to you? Because social media is a tool, right? Does having an email list feel good to you? does working with this client feel good to you and it's like only you can really choose that and i think that that kind of takes like the business side of things which can feel like that harder more masculine more serious more hustle focus and kind of like you know just making it a little softer a little bit more aligned with i think how we tend to be as yogis where it's like hey you know today it doesn't feel good for me to Write an email. I need to like do some restorative. That's what my nervous system needs. And so we can kind of set up this schedule in a way that's maybe taking from like the corporate structure, but then we can be soft with it, right? We can be adaptable with it. And so that's really how I like to approach business is like we can take the tools, we can take the tools of sales, but let's pass them through our heart center and make sure they feel good for us, right? So that we're not like, the, the greasy car salesman. That's like, get the leather seats in the sunroof. You need them. You can be like, do I need the leather seats in the sunroof? Maybe you do, but maybe you don't.
1: Mm, that's so good. And it's, it's exactly what we ask our students to do when we're at the front mm-hmm. of the room. We ask them to take what we're, uh, what we're offering, what take what they need and leave the rest. It's exactly mm-hmm. what we're asking. So you know why should we expect anything different from ourselves as the business mm-hmm. owner?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. A hundred percent.
1: <laughs> okay. So good. All right. Well, since you're uh, you teach the business of yoga, which I love, obviously I'm a big nerd for, I have to ask this question. So for the folks that are listening, if there's one tip or tactic that they could implement right now, that would make a massive change in their business. And it's, you know, maybe not something super, super difficult, maybe something that's a little obvious, but understated even what would it be?
2: Yeah. So I think that the biggest thing that we need to do is get clear on our why. I think that we need to understand why we're doing what we're doing and, you know, just get clear on what our intention is. And that's something that only you can figure out. You know, I could guide you through a series of exercises to get to your why, but I can't tell you what your why is, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not for me to figure out why you do what you do, what, what gets you up in the morning, what drives you. And we all have our, why we have the reason that we connected with yoga. We have the reason that we kept coming back to the mat. We have the reason why we decided to become a yoga teacher. And I think that for a lot of us, maybe there's like culminating or, you know, kind of different points where we kind of thought, Hey, this is for me. But I know in my story, I remember being in a practice when I was super run down with corporate And just feeling like this is the one time in my day where it's just me, right? It's just me in this space. It's sacred to me. I'm quiet. I'm tuned in. And I'm not like this any other part of my day. You know, I was super extroverted, super social, going constantly. And yoga for me was that point where like I get to tune in. And that's the moment where I was like, I think I want to share this with other people because this is changing my life. It's changing my mental state. It's changing, you know, physically how I identify with my body. And I think I want to share this. And it took me a couple of years before I got to the point of, you know, actually doing the teacher training and then teaching and that's okay. But I think we we have that moment where like a seed was planted for us, where we thought like, Hey, I think I might want to share this with other people. And that's completely unique for us. And it drives the why of what we do. And then once we get certified and we start teaching, you know, we all have a different why for why we get up in the morning and why we do what we do and why we show up on the mat, even if we've had a bad sleep or, you know, even if our kid was screaming at us, or even if we had an argument with our partner, this is the heart of what we do. And if you don't have this foundation of your why, it's going to be really hard to build your business. Because you're just going to be constantly like doubting a little bit. It's going to be hard. Like running a business is hard. Working for yourself is hard, very fulfilling, but it's also hard. And so in the days where it's hard, you need to understand, you know, why you're there. So that would be my tip. Mm.
1: Yes, it's so good. So I feel like uh, when I asked about something that's understated, you nailed it because <laughs> it's. I think we hear it a lot in entrepreneurship, especially in, you know, if you follow some of these, um, you know, Instagram accounts that are all about, you know, women and business and, you know, what's your why. And I think uh, it's, it's said so much that sometimes I feel like we don't even hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's so important and it's so vital because if we don't know, if we can't return to the reason that we began, then we, we have no idea where we're going. Like it's that yeah. touchstone. It's the, it's the, you are here on the map <laughs> that we have to, to, to begin from, you know, especially when we're feeling, um, you know, a little off center or, you know, we're very bogged down in the day to day, just getting through the emails or going to class to class. If we come back to that, why that's almost like this little, this little fountain that's going to, to fill our cup. So I'm just so glad that you mentioned it. It's so good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like there's so many tools that like maybe are practical in terms of like, Oh, you should have an email list or like yeah. you should start a business Instagram page or, you know, you should start teaching teaching private yoga because that'll pay better. But I just feel like before you can do any of that and decide on that, you just have to have that foundation. And I think one thing I'll just add on quickly to that is like, once you know your why, I think it's really important to get clear on what your values are as a business owner, um, you know, as an individual, as a, as a person, as a yoga teacher, because I also think that this is part of like building that foundation. So it's like You know, my dad built houses growing up. So I have a really good sense of how houses are built, particularly in Canada, where we have like basements and cement foundations. But it's like, you know, they dig a hole and they lay a foundation, literally, you don't just like plop a house on the earth. because it might blow away or, you know, the snow might cave it in or something like that. And so it's like, you really do need that foundation that's rooted and grounded. And we need that in our businesses too. So to me, the two parts of that are one, get clear on our why and two, get clear on our values, get really clear on like, you know, what's important to you, what's meaningful to you. And this is going to help direct you throughout your entire career. So that when you go talk to a studio owner and they offer you a class, you can get clear on like, should I say yes or no to this? You could ask your friends, you could ask your parents, you can ask your partner. They can give you advice, but they can't make the decision for you ultimately on like, is this a good partnership? Is this a good fit for me? Is this a good price? Do I want to work with this client? Is this workshop right for me? Like, we have to have that centered within ourselves. And I think that, you know, our, our values and our why are really like our, our compass or like our northern star, per se. Mm, yeah, I love
1: that. Yeah, it, it, there really are twofold. They they mm-hmm. they fit together perfectly. So yeah. good. So good. Okay. So this is one of my favorite questions to ask guests. So thank you for indulging me. Um so what's <laughs> so what and it's not that bad. It's great actually. So what's one thing if you could go back to a previous version of yourself and whisper a little something in your ear that would save you from a sleepless night, a few headaches, what would it be?
2: Um yeah, so that's a that's a really good question. So Any time in my life or just since like my yoga career started?
1: Bring it on any time in your life.
2: Okay. So I think if I could go back to any point, I would probably go to, oh, this is so hard. (laughs) Um, I think just going to like that bridge of where you're kind of like shifting from like childhood to adolescence and tell myself that it's okay to just fully be who I am. And I think this is so hard because when you're like a teenager and you're in your early 20s, it's like you're so aware of external things on you. But I feel like for me, I just made so many decisions based on what I thought society wanted, what I thought would make my parents happy, you know, what my peers were doing. And I wasn't doing anything for myself at that point. I just didn't want to be abnormal. I didn't want to stand out. And that's not who I am. Like I'm a bit of a weirdo and I've got some like weird, quirky things. And I don't think I was put on this planet to just like be on a conveyor belt, which, you know, I didn't figure out until I was like in my mid twenties. And so I went through probably a period of like 10 years of just being cookie cutter. And so I think that I would just go whisper to, you know, my kind of like hurting, you know, self-conscious adolescent teenage self, and just say like, you're perfect the way you are, you know, remember who you were as a kid and just trust your instincts and follow the things that you like to do. And don't worry about anyone else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good. That is so good. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So yeah, no worries. I have to ask you, like, you're incredible. We know you have a podcast. We know you have so many things coming up that we need to know about. So tell us all the things, tell us what you have coming up that we can hang out with you a little bit more.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. So yeah, obviously you can listen to my podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. So it's called Mastering the Business of Yoga or MBOM for short. We've got lots of episodes, like more than 300 episodes all in the business of yoga. So lots of good stuff happening there. And then we'll have, you know, lots of stuff happening in 2023 as well. If you go to my website, it's mbomyoga.com. You can click, there's a tab at the top that says community. I've got a private Facebook community. If you want to come hang out over there, it's completely free to join. Um, Lots of freebies on my website. So if you want to download a freebie. You can, I've got everything sorted by if you're newer to yoga, more advanced, if you run studios, you know, just go where serves you best. And if there's something that tickles your fancy, then feel free to sign up there. Um, you will get put on my email list. And then we send weekly emails about the podcast with other goodies and stuff like that. So that's another fun place to hang out. Um, and then I do have courses on my website. So I've got two signature courses, one's called yoga teacher toolbox, which is really designed for newer yoga teachers who are still, kind of need the tools to get maybe studio opportunities and the other one's called yoga business bootcamp, which is if you're a little bit past that and wanting to branch out and build your own independent business, I can help you with that as well. Both are you know pretty low investment opportunities. Um, and then if you want to work with me one-on-one, I do have some availability for that. Um, most of my schedule is closed right now just because I've been taking care of a sweet little baby girl for most of 2022 but am available. If somebody's interested, just reach out.
1: And then uh, how can we follow you on social?
2: Yeah, it's uh, Mastering the Business of Yoga on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Amazing. And and y'all definitely go check out the podcast too. She was saying it's just such a wonderful resource. And I'm so glad that you started when you did because it has influenced me and supported me throughout my yoga teaching career. And I'm just so grateful to you for that and for this chat. It's been wonderful.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm I'm so glad that this podcast exists as a resource as well for yoga teachers. You're doing amazing stuff and thank you for including me in it.
1: My gosh. Yes, absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you, Amanda. That was so much fun. And I'm really glad that we got to connect and thank you so much for all of the wisdom over the years that you provided teachers. We're just so grateful. For all of that, and that you could be with us on Marketing Off the Map today. So go check out Amanda. She is at MBOMYoga, just like MBA, but MBOMYoga.com. And then you can also find her on Instagram at Mastering the Business of Yoga. And definitely check out her incredible courses that she mentioned, which we have linked in the show notes. I hope you keep showing up for your business, and I will catch you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening to the marketing off the mat podcast and give yourself some gratitude for taking action in your wellness business journey. Please share this episode with someone, you know, who could use a fresh dose of inspiration. And we'd be thrilled if you would rate review and subscribe to marketing off the mat on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to share an idea with Jessica? DM her at jessicacross.co on Instagram to continue the conversation or find out how she can help you take the next right step in your business. Until next time, stay inspired and keep showing up.